615 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And the Rangers, I just mentioned this in the Locked On Now video that we do after every single game. And, you know, we post it on Twitter. I think, I don't think, I know that this was the biggest gut punch of a New York Ranger loss that we have all collectively had to share and experience together, I would say since the 2014 Stanley Cup Final when the Rangers were defeated in, I think, double overtime against the Los Angeles Kings, and obviously not to bring up bad memories, but I think uh, that comparison is worth making because that's kind of where I'm at right now. This one is just really tough, and there have been some tough losses in this playoff run along the way. Um, You know, you can look at different games. I mean, a lot of people might think of Game 4 against Pittsburgh because that was such a disaster, but at the same time, that's just it. I mean, that, that game was a freaking disaster. It was a complete nightmare. The Rangers never had a chance to win it, so as devastating as that was, and to go down 3-1 in that series at that time, you could let go of it pretty quickly as a Ranger fan, because it's not like, oh, well, you know, one break this way or one call that way, and the Rangers would have won the game. Uh, no, they, they got killed in that game. But in this game tonight, I thought this was as evenly matched, as evenly played of a playoff game that the Rangers have been in this entire playoff run here. I thought this was true 50-50 hockey. Neither team really had any uh, sustained uh, chunks of this game where, you know, they clearly had the upper hand. I thought it really was 50-50, just kind of back and forth hockey, good hockey. You know, both teams playing strong defense, both goalies playing very well, and just good competitive hockey game and everything you'd expect from game five of an Eastern Conference final where the series is tied at two games apiece. And unfortunately, you know, we'll go right to the big ending here and we'll talk about uh, a goal that the Lightning scored and a goal that te- that uh, the Rangers did not score. And I guess we'll start with the goal that the Rangers didn't score. I don't remember exactly how much time was left. About five minutes, though. Of course, Rangers and Lightning tied at one goal apiece, getting late in this game. Five minutes or so to go in the third period. And the Rangers have had a couple of chances already in the third period to potentially uh, take the lead. We'll talk about some of those in a second. But this is the big one, and this is the one that's going to be burned into the brains of Ranger fans everywhere. Uh, if they do not come back and win this series. And they still could come back and win this series. And I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But on this play, you've got Artemi Panarin up the right side. And, you know, he was working really hard tonight. He's not the biggest guy on the ice. And uh, sometimes that does work against him in the playoffs. But, man, I, I thought Artemi Panarin was uh, playing his tail off in this game, trying to do everything he could to you know give the Rangers some scoring chances, create some separation, try to get some space, whatever it might be. Uh, but on this one... He goes up the right side. He takes a little bit of a hit, not like a bone-jarring hit or anything like that, but there's some contact there, and he's able to kind of spin off of the hit and throw a pass, backhand pass, toward the center of the ice. He hits Cop perfectly. Cop is in stride. He takes the puck, and he's got his momentum carrying him right to the Tampa Bay net. Andre Vasilevsky comes up in his crease to try to meet Cop. There's a defenseman there as well, and Cop is, you know, he's kind of going to his right a little bit, and he's got the puck on his backhand and rather than shoot it he decides to pass over to his left to Ryan Strom and we'll get to the rest of this play in a second but first let me just say that I like Cop's decision to pass here it's one of those things when you first look at it the very very easy thing to say is to go to that old hockey cliche of oh man one pass too many one pass too many cops just gotta rip it there and you know there's a case to be made for that I think it was the right decision and you know, I should also mention there was a play earlier in the third period where 
Mika and Cop were on the ice together. They kind of just stormed over the blue line. Mika to Cop. Cop tried to pass it back to Mika. I think in that instance, Cop should have uh, shot it. But getting back to the play in question here, I think Cop absolutely made the right decision looking to uh, pass this puck here. He was kind of running out of real estate. Vasilevsky, it looked like, had him squared up, and Vasilevsky was obviously on his game here tonight. There was a defenseman there as well. And Cop's only choice, if he could if he was going to shoot the puck, was to take a backhand shot. Not to say that he can't possibly score on a backhand, but when you look at the two options, I think the better option was passing to Stromier because if this pass is completed, it's a goal. And I don't really know what happened here. Strom kind of kept moving toward uh, the net instead of maybe hitting the brakes and kind of anticipating that pass there. And the pass just did not connect. I mean, again, Cop tried to slide it to his left to Strom. It was not a perfect pass by Cop. Maybe the pass could have been a little bit better by that same token, despite it not being a perfect pass. It's a pass that I think Strom probably should be able to handle. It was behind him a little bit, and he had to reach back with his stick, and it went just off you know, the tip of the end of his stick, and he just could not quite corral the puck. If he gets possession of this puck here, it's a goal. Nobody on this planet is going to miss this shot here because by this point, as I mentioned, Vasilevsky had already big-time committed to Andrew Kopp on this play and was one-on-one -on -one with him, was not even thinking about the extra pass being made here. And sometimes that's where that extra pass can really help you. When you're up against a goalie that's really on his game and just isn't giving up anything, sometimes that extra pass is necessary. I think this is a great example of that. And again, I mean, we're talking, man, if that puck is, is half an inch forward or if Strom is able to reach half an inch back with his stick, uh, he's going to get possession and he's going to put it in the net. And the Rangers, no guarantees. Hey, maybe Tampa comes back and ties it. You never know what can happen, but the Rangers at that point, you like your chances. You're going to be up two to one with, again, just about five minutes uh, remaining. So that play was an absolute killer. And then the other play that was a killer was obviously the game winner by Palat. Initially, they uh, gave the goal to Sergachev. Sergachev took a shot from the blue line just as he did earlier in the game when he scored uh, to tie the game late in the second period. But in this instance, Sergachev takes a shot from the blue line. A lot of traffic in front. Andrej Palat gets a little piece of it. And it goes into the net. And just like that, the Rangers, before you can blink, you know, you go from potentially taking the lead with about five minutes left to trailing by a goal with a minute 50 left. And the Rangers, you know, you got a minute 50 to play with. You try to find that equalizer. Rangers didn't really get anything going or create any good looks at the net. And before you know it, uh, Brandon Hagel is skidding it all alone on the empty net and scoring with 58 seconds to go. Again, just a complete gut punch of a loss if you're a New York Ranger fans. It, it does not really get much worse than that. We're going to keep breaking this one down and talk about why I still have uh, some optimism for Game 6. You know, again, the Rangers, this is when they're at their best, right? When they have their backs against the wall, they seem to just come out swinging, and uh, they're just sharp as attack, and they just will not let go of this playoff run that they're on, already 5-0 and in elimination games. So we're going to talk about all that. We're just scratching the surface right now. But first, I just got to let everybody know, Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. 
All right, just wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, and we have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Locked On Podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thanks for your help. Wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, pregame decision to, first of all, stick with uh, the same line combination, save for uh, one lineup change. And, of course, that lineup change was uh, Ryan Reeves as a healthy scratch and also uh, Kevin Rooney being in the lineup over Ryan Reeves. And in fact, Ryan Reeves is not even out there for the pregame skate. Dryden Hunt was, and obviously they ended up going with Rooney. I was fine with the decision. Can't say that I was completely shocked by it. Uh, first of all, I should probably back up here and say that, uh, you know, Ryan Strom and Filipino both were going to be game time decisions and both ended up playing in this game here tonight. Uh, so that, you know, creates a little bit of a log jam. And uh, at that point, you're basically down to either Rooney or Reeves being into the lineup. I mean, I suppose Dryden Hunt could be an option, but I think the smart money was probably always on either Rooney or Reeves. And I'm fine with uh, them going with Rooney over Reeves. It's nothing against Ryan Reeves. He did have a little bit of a hiccup in game uh, four, though. The first Tampa goal, they went right around him and ended up scoring uh, you know, a goal fairly early in that game. And then Reeves also took a penalty not too long after that. So that probably cost him. And with Kevin Rooney, uh, you've got somebody who, you know, he plays center, which is kind of important in a game like this because, you know, I don't know the extent of the injuries to Stromer and Heedle, if they were ever in any danger of maybe having to leave this game. But if there's a situation where one or both of those players can't make it the full game, then at least you've got an extra center out there. And Grant, you know, they've got Cop and Goodrow that can play center too. But uh, it makes sense when, when you just kind of lay everything out that they would go with Rooney over Reeves. Uh, Rooney also an option on the PK, although he played just 25 minutes, or excuse me, 25 seconds while the Rangers were shorthanded in this game and had a uh, team low nine minutes and 54 seconds of ice time. So I had no issues with uh, Rooney being in there over Reeves. As far as the line combinations, there's part of me that wanted to see the Rangers, you know, try something a little bit different because we've now gone three games here and the Rangers in those three games have exactly one even strength goal. And that goal occurred in this game here tonight. I don't want to say it was like a complete fluke goal because, you know, Ryan Lindgren was smart enough to put the puck at the net and obviously a very accurate shot here beating Andre Vasilevsky. But in a way, it kind of was a fluky goal because the Lightning, you know, they're playing the puck around the boards. Lindgren comes up. There's nobody there for Tampa. So Lindgren just kind of comes up along the boards there, picks up the puck, takes a shot from a tough angle, and I think completely surprised Vasilevsky that he even shot this puck. And it goes in, and it gives the Rangers a one nothing lead. But that's it. That's the only Ranger even-strength goal uh, in these last three games here. So I'll be very curious to see if the Rangers try to shuffle the deck a little bit. Do you maybe stack the top line? Do you try a top line of Mika, Panarin, and Vetrano? Do you try uh, Mika, Panarin, and Lafreniere if you want to really mix things up and go with one player from every line? I, I think it's something that could be worth looking at. Or maybe you do this. If you want to stick with these same line combinations that the Rangers went with in this game, because it's not like they were woeful offensively. You know, they created some scoring chances here and there on the night. But I think if I'm Gerard Gallant, I'm going into game six with a plan B. Like if if we go with the normal line combinations and we get, once again, like 15 minutes, 
20 minutes, you know, the first period into this game, and there's just not any scoring opportunities happening, the Rangers don't have any goals, or they're just not looking good enough offensively, then I think you uh, make that switch, you know, you pull the trigger, and you go to plan B, whatever plan B is, whatever the line combinations are, uh, you make that change uh, right then and there. You can't wait around too long, because once again, you're now facing elimination. And this is another thought that I had, you know, obviously the Rangers, it's a tough spot to be in facing elimination against this team. You know, it's crazy how fast a playoff series can kind of just turn on its head. Uh, We saw the Rangers on the fortunate side of that against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was up three to one in the series. They're up two to nothing in game five. It looks like the Rangers season is going to end with a whimper in Madison Square Garden. And all of a sudden the Rangers just come to life. They come storming back and they win that game and they win the rest of the series as well. Um, so you were that close to the Rangers losing in five games in the first round. And then in this series, you know, the Rangers win the first two games in fairly convincing fashion. And then in game three, you've got a 2 nothing lead. And you're so close. You're so close to having a stranglehold on this series, a three-games-to-none series advantage. And it just doesn't happen. The Lightning comes storming back, and they win that game with a late goal in that one as well. And since then, you know, that just started a three-game winning streak for Tampa Bay. So it really is crazy to think uh, just how quickly these things can change. And, you know, we've gone from the Rangers being up 2 nothing, and, man, if we can win game three, you know, we've really got this team by the throat. We're one win away. We're up three games to nothing. That's what it would be like if the Rangers won game three. Then you lose game three, and you go to game four, and it's like, all right, well, we win this one. We split in Tampa. We're up 3-1. We're still in good shape. And you lose that one. And now you go back home to game five. All right, well, we can hold serve at home. We can be one game away from going to the Stanley Cup final if we can just win this one. And we'll be up three games to two, and you lose this one. And now game six, listen, despite everything that's happened, these games have been competitive. I thought the Rangers played fairly well in game three. Not great, but fairly well. They didn't play well at all in game four, and they played very, very well in this game here tonight. They're in these games. They've got a chance. And like I said, they're at their best when their backs are against the wall. And now you're in a situation where with game six here, okay, you know what? These last three games have not gone your way. You are one win away. Think about that. I mean, imagine if I told you this before the season started. The Rangers are one win away from hosting a game seven in Madison Square Garden. And not to look too far ahead or jump the gun or anything here, but something that is definitely, I think, worth noting, uh, if there is a game seven, and I think this is something that's going to benefit the Rangers, there's actually an extra day of rest there. Uh, You know, game six would be happening on Saturday, and then game seven would not happen until Tuesday. And given the fact that the Rangers, uh, you know, in that scenario, would be playing their 21st game of the playoffs, which is the maximum you could possibly play through three rounds of the playoffs, I think that extra day of rest could probably benefit them a little bit. But obviously, first things first, got a really tall task in front of you. You got to find a way to go into Tampa Bay and win a game here. But I'm not giving up on this team, man. You know, I got a good feeling about game six. I just don't think they're going to go out that way, uh, losing four in a row. And again, we've seen so much evidence all regular season, and especially here in the postseason, just how good this team is and how dangerous they can be uh, when their backs are against the wall. That's when the Rangers excel, and that's when they're at their best. They seem to really thrive with that underdog, bulldog mentality, and that's why, you know, I'm not throwing the towel yet. I think the Rangers can find a way to get it done in Tampa. Tall task, but, you know, I think Herb Brooks said it best. Great moments are born out of great opportunities. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, We're going to continue breaking down all the highlights and lowlights of this game in just a second. All right, so I do my best to not really point fingers at the refs. I try not to do this very often. I mean, occasionally I'll say things like, oh, well, I think they missed a hold here. I don't think that was a trip or something along those lines. And 
in this playoff run for the Rangers, I mean, there's always going to be a little bit more attention on the refs in the playoffs because just like the players, you know, for the refs, every single thing that they do is magnified and it's just that much more important in these Stanley Cup playoffs. With all that said, I thought the refs did a bad job in this game. They missed a couple of penalties against the Lightning in the third period here that definitely should have been called and simply were not called. There was one that happened with maybe about, uh, it's, hard, it's so hard to remember exactly how much time was left because everything's just such a blur after you watch these games, but it's about midway through the third period and you've got Capo Caco with the puck behind the Tampa Bay net. He's trying to get loose and he's clearly held. I mean, he was held blatantly. It was uh, almost a bear hug and the guy didn't even let go of him for you know at least a couple of seconds there. So uh, that's one that obviously should have been called and then a few minutes after this, the Rangers win an offensive zone draw, and Mott is coming in to kind of pick up the puck and try to skate away with it. As soon as Mott picked up the puck here, and he was moving in from the left wing you know, toward the center of the ice, the faceoff was also uh, on the left side of the ice, the left faceoff circle there. And Mott's moving you know, toward uh, his right, and he immediately gets tripped. It was so blatantly obvious. Both these penalties were, especially the one where Mott got tripped down to the ice, and they just did not call. And at that point, I'm waiting for like, you know, some ticky-tack nonsense penalty against one of the Ranger defensemen. And at that point, I probably would have thrown my TV out the window. But I'm glad that didn't happen. Uh, at least, you know, they swallowed the whistle, I guess, for both teams. Although earlier in the game, you know, they're calling ticky-tack penalties. Uh, you know, Keandre Miller got called for a penalty. I still don't even know what the official penalty was. It was like a hook or a hold, or something along those lines. Let me see. I do have it here. Uh, yeah, he got called for hooking Corey Perry. It w wasn't really a whole lot to it. The only penalty called on Tampa Bay in this game uh, was too many men on the ice, which obviously you can't ignore that. And uh, Braden Schneider was called for hooking uh, Andre Palat earlier in the game as well. So, yeah, I don't know. A couple of uh, borderline calls against the Rangers that were called penalties, and then just letting two blatant penalties against Tampa Bay uh, pass, you know, in the third period. And, of course, there were a bunch of penalties at the end of this game, too, because, uh, you know, a big fight broke out and, uh, you know, a couple penalties called on each team, but those are all meaningless at that point. And it's also worth pointing out that, once again, Wes McCauley was one of the referees in this game. Now, granted, there's two referees out there. Not everything falls on him, but... Wes McCauley, at least for me, is very quickly becoming the Angel Hernandez of the NHL uh, because they're both just so good at their job. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was just not good. And Wes McCauley was the referee for a lot of those games against Pittsburgh. I thought the officiating against Pittsburgh was absolutely dreadful, just a complete embarrassment to the league. Like I said, since then, I haven't talked too much about the refs. In fact, Adam Denker from Lockdown Lightning and myself in the crossover episode that we did in our last episode were actually pretty complimentary of how the refs have maintained control in this series um, and, and done a decent job overall. But, uh, yeah, not good tonight. Uh, and not surprised to see that Wes McCauley was, of course, one of the referees uh, in this game. But that's enough about the referees. Let's move on to a couple of other things I want to hit on real quick here. You know, we mentioned the lingering goal, and he almost had a second goal in this game, and it would have given the Rangers a lead in the third period. As I mentioned in the intro to this episode, the Rangers did have a couple of scoring opportunities, a couple of chances to take that elusive 2-1 to lead in the third period, and this was one of them. Uh, you got a pass to Adam Fox. Fox receives the pass in the left faceoff circle, and you've got the Tampa Bay defender going down to the ice to potentially... Uh, you know, block a shot from Adam Fox, but Fox is smart enough to see this and read the play. And instead of just shooting right into this guy's body, which is probably what would have happened here, 
Fox receives the pass and moves to his right, closer toward the center of the ice, and then takes a shot and puts it just wide. It goes behind the Tampa Bay net and comes out, you know, toward the other side. Ryan Lindgren is back there behind the net. So you got both Rainier defensemen uh, in pretty deep on this play. But Lindgren is there, and he came so close to scoring. Uh, stuffing goal, kind of a wraparound-esque goal there. Unfortunately, Vasilevsky moved over to his left. Man, nice save. Vasilevsky was very good in this game. So is Igor Shesterkin. Uh, but man, Ryan Lindgren this close to a two-goal performance in Game 5 here and potentially uh, having the game-winning goal there. I mean, again, no guarantees. It's not like we're in sudden death overtime here. There's still a while to go in this game. But, man, Ryan Lindgren that close to giving the Rangers uh, a late lead in Game 5 here. And I also have to mention the uh, play that Igor Shosturkin made, which actually resulted in the Rangers getting their first and only power play of this game. So you've got a situation where Kalorn is trying to spring Paul on a breakaway and he passes the puck ahead, tries to lead Paul into the Rangers zone. Igor is smart enough uh, to read this play, come out of his crease, get to the puck and shoot it out of harm's way. But not only did he shoot it out of harm's way, he actually shot it in the direction of the Tampa Bay bench and they were uh, going through a line change at that moment and it hit somebody who was leaving the ice after somebody else had already jumped on. And so just like that, too many men on the penalty. And I'm not sure if Igor Shesterkin did this on purpose. I mean, he might have just been trying to move the puck out of his own zone into the neutral zone, try to create some offense with one of his passes. Uh, but either way, he might have been doing this. He might have been smart enough to do this, you know, realizing the situation in the game and hoping that it made contact with one of the Lightning players that were leaving the ice and would result in too many men. And that's exactly uh, what happened there. And Igor saw it, you know, as soon as it hit the Tampa Bay player, uh, Igor, he was kind of moving back to his crease and he put his arm into the air to kind of signal the penalty there. So uh, maybe Igor knew what he was doing on that play, but either way, uh, a great play there by Igor Shosturkin. Uh, first of all, reading the play and preventing a one-on-one -on -one with Nick Paul, and secondarily, uh, getting the puck out of the Rangers' zone and giving them a power play as a result of doing so. And I actually wanted to go back to the Lindgren uh, goal real quick here because there is an element of this that I did not mention yet, and that is the fact that this came as the result of Tyler Mott uh, going in hard on the forecheck and applying some pressure and delivering a hit in the corner. As a result of this hit, Tampa played the puck around the boards on the other side, and that's when Lindgren came up, took possession, put the puck at the net, and scored. So props to Tyler Mott. Not going to get an official assist on that play, but obviously, you know, going in there like he was fired out of a cannon and forcing Tampa Bay into a mistake and a goal for the New York Rangers as well. And it's also worth pointing out that Ryan Lindgren on his goal went high blocker side. I mean, I don't know that uh, this goal was a result of that as much as, once again, just the element of surprise. I don't think Vasilevsky saw that shot coming. And uh, as a result of that, uh, you know, Ryan Lindgren able to score there, catch him by surprise. And then uh, one other issue that I got to mention here, the Rangers still giving up a couple too many odd man uh, rushes for Tampa Bay. You know, we saw that in game four for sure. We saw it again here. And I don't know that the Rangers, again, I don't think they had any odd man rushes in this game. It's possible that I'm forgetting one, but Tampa had at least a handful of them. And uh, you know, the Rangers held firm and didn't allow them to convert on those scoring opportunities. Man, you keep giving up odd man rush after odd man rush after odd man rush to this Tampa Bay Lightning team. You're really, really playing with fire. So that's something that I hope the Rangers are uh, aware of. And prevent from happening uh, at least as much as it's been happening in these last couple of games in game six here. Can't keep giving Tampa Bay opportunities on an odd man rush. But while we're talking about odd man rushes, I also have to mention a play that Ke'Andre Miller made. Uh, there was a two-on-one 
and Miller. You cannot possibly defend a two-on-one any better than he did here. He went down to the ice to his stomach to take away the passing lane. He's also able to uh, kind of take away the the shot as well. So kind of a two-for-one deal for uh, Keandre Miller here. But then uh, the Tampa Bay player uh, tried to go past Miller and still connect on a pass across the ice. But at this point, Miller, he had his stick in front of him initially. And at this point, while he's stomach down on the ice and sliding across the ice, he brings his stick behind him and does so effectively and prevents the pass from being made. He gets his stick on the puck and the pass never gets there. So uh, an incredible play by Ke'Andre Miller there who, again, I think we can say present tense, Ke'Andre Miller, a superstar in this league. He's been absolutely fantastic for the Rangers in this playoff run and an excellent play there as well. And then I figure we might as well go ahead and wrap up today by talking about all the uh, fisticuffs that occurred after this game ended. So basically just a big fight. There was a situation where, you know, time's running out, the puck is in the Rangers zone, and everybody on both sides seemed to kind of ease up a little bit. I mean, we're talking there's like five seconds, four seconds, three seconds. And then at the very last second, Kucherov decides to just kind of, uh, from a sharp angle, just kind of rip the puck at the net which, I mean, he's within his right to do so, but by that same token, you know, the game's over. Maybe just let the clock run out, excuse me. Um, But yeah, everybody comes together. You have Adam Fox going up to Kucherov, not like super aggressive, but, uh, you know, gave him a little push, and uh, before you know, we're off to the races, and everybody's pushing and shoving, and Lafreniere and Steven Stamkos actually end up uh, dropping the gloves. They both kind of punch each other with their gloves still on, and then uh, drop the gloves, a couple of punches exchange. Uh, you know, Stamkos landed a couple. They both fell to the ice. Uh, you know, Lafreniere kept kind of throwing fists at that point as well. Um, it's one of those things, you know, it, it happens. I mean, emotions are running high here, and I don't think that the Rangers, um, first of all, I'm sure they're very frustrated. This is a, like I said, complete gut punch of a loss here. Now down three games to two, heading back to Tampa with your season on the line. Uh, but on top of that, I don't think they like that, you know, shot from Kucherov at the very last second there. Uh, hopefully, listen, I mean, I don't know if this last second scrum is necessarily going to help the Rangers going into game six. I don't think it can possibly hurt them. Hopefully that just kind of lit a fire under the Rangers. You know, it's interesting because it kind of reminds me a little bit of something that happened in game three in the last series against the Canes. If you guys remember, the Rangers were down two games to none in that series. Clock was about to run out uh, in game three there. Rangers were going to get back into it. And then for no reason, After the final horn, you've got Max Domi approaching Ryan Lindgren and cross-checking him. And then, you know, Lindgren fights back and we get this big wrestling match between the two of them. And then you've got Tony D'Angelo chirping at Gerard Gallant on the bench. So that was a little ridiculous by Carolina, but it also lit a fire under this New York Ranger team. And I'm just hoping something similar like that could happen here where the Rangers are all fired up. Uh, You know, maybe uh, you look to put a big hit on Kucherov early in the game. Nothing dirty. Nothing that crosses the line or anything like that. But if you get the chance to, you know, put a big hit on this guy, by all means, take it. So uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. I think the Rangers uh, have a better chance in this game than a lot of people are probably going to give them. Like we said, it's a very tall order. You're up against a two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. They've been there and done that. And they got a chance to close out this series uh, at home in game six here. By that same token, once again, the Rangers, they just play with big-time emotion, big-time desperation, and uh, just big-time grittiness when their backs are against the wall, as they will be for Game 6 on Saturday. But that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. 
Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, it's at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we're going to break down everything that happens in this must-win Game 6 for the New York Rangers against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.